This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Talking With. I'm in here with the homie Muhammad Butt. How you doing? I'm doing good, bro. I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm all right. So we we start these the same way, like some just some quick foundational questions, and then that will lead us where we need to go. So what team do you support? They're playing each other tomorrow, both of them. So, <laughs> so Barca and Manchester United. Barca and um, United, yes. Two teamer yeah. for my sins. As I said on the last time I was on, you know, mm-hmm. I would hate me if I was me too. You know, but I was 14, like 10 to 14 when I picked, or 8 to 14, I can't remember what it was, but I was a kid, man. Give me a break. <laughs> uh, what country or countries, yeah, do you support or have loyalty to? Ooh. Well, I mean, I want to say Pakistan, but like they <laughs> suck at football. Pakistan cricket team, by the way, uh, the most incredibly frustrating sports team in the history of sports that ever sported. If you ever want to see basically Real Madrid, the talent of Real Madrid and Barcelona with the mentality of Spurs, go watch Pakistan cricket team. It's the most incredible experience you'll ever see in your world. You'll go away from every game thinking, how do they lose that? They're so good. And yet they will always find a way to lose. Uh, For football internationally... Mm. Man, I don't know. I, I mean, Argentina for Messi, for Batistuta, for all the guys I like, you know. England, obviously, because I'm from England, although for a while, for actually for the longest time, really, England was no. England was a big no. But Gareth, Gareth and the lads brought it back. They're, they're nice boys, isn't it? You know, they're good. You can support those boys. Always had a soft spot for Mali, for Ghana. Mali? Because uh, uh, of Sadie Keita, Freddie Canute, and mm, uh, Ali okay. Fadkature, the, the musician. I got uh, you. So I've always liked Mali. Basically, any African country that's full of Muslims, I'll back them. And then Basically. Kenya, which isn't full of Muslims, but my dad's from Kenya, so. Is he? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he's the, uh, you know, as Idi Amin would say, you know, he's one of the uh, Asians that the British brought over to uh, be the middleman. So the, black people, the, the native black people would hate the, hate the Asians and, you know, and love the white men. And then the, the, the Asians would hate the black people and then love the white men because, the you know... <laughs> Yeah, divide and rule, man. Mm. These, these white people. Yeah. See, you. <laughs> I forgot the next question because you brought up Idi Amin, <laughs> and and as someone who's Ugandan, I'm just like that's a whole different avenue. But um, Listen, bro, that's 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 a long <laughs> conversation, bro. That's I mean, look, no, look, as as this this part, like I have three more questions that have rules, and then after that, there are no rules. Nice. Where, where where did you grow up? And where do you live? London, okay. England. London, England. <laughs> and uh, and over the extent of the podcast or this section or spinoff, I've learned to ask this one. What, if any, was the extent to your playing career? That could be pickup. That could be in school. That could be semi-pro, pro. Like, what was the level of your playing career? Like, how how, how far just, did you go? Just, 
just in school. Uh, I was I was not I was not bad. I was better at rugby actually than 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 football. But then I got a knee injury when I was like in year eight. God, how old is year eight? I can't remember. But anyway, I was like I got an injury, 13, and knee 14? injury, and then so, so, something like that. Yeah, I got a knee injury, and that, so I was basically out of action. Couldn't do anything for a year, and then in that year, I discovered video games and discovered <laughs> that I could be better at football on the on the computer than I ever would be in real life. And I didn't have to go stand outside in the rain. And so then I just sort of was like, oh no, I, my, my knee isn't right yet. I don't know. You know, I just gave up on real life football. Where I was like, I'll play it on the game. Thank you very much. I look back on it and I think, mm. why did I do that? But at the time it was a great, it seemed like a great idea. You know, I was like, what's the, what could possibly be the drawback to this? What position did you play? I was a centre mid. Centre mid? Okay. So like, and not in the English centre mid sense where I run around a lot. I would just be like, I'm a jog, I'm going to hit people really hard, and then I'm going to pass the ball. So, like, who who would be your comp as, like, a professional? Just, like, a, mean, a way I mean, worse version of them. But who, who was oh, 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 a much, much, like, like the bargain basement dollar bin, you know, right at the bottom of the dollar bin, stuck to the floor beneath the, the, the steel mesh that all those bargain bins are made out of version of Raquel May. Like, you know, just, just the <laughs> okay. absolute worst version of Raquel May that ever existed in the world. But, yeah. All right. Um, so, okay. You're now there. We are, we are released from the, from the primary question. So people have a good idea where this might go, but um, yeah. so what, what was your video game of choice? FIFA, Pez? What, what was it? Oh, it was, it was I mean, it, well, bro, I'm old. So it was neither of them. It was world, worldwide soccer or worldwide soccer 98. Like oh, worldwide wow. soccer 96. Like I was, I'm old, bro. It was sensible soccer as well on the um, good old swath sensible world of soccer on the, on the PC. And yeah, worldwide soccer on like the Saturn, and the and you know just Take proper old Saturn. school. And then oh, wow, yeah, I'm old, bro. I'm old. But then, but then you know, then once once it got time, I got in, I was more into um, I was more into into FIFA than 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 Pez. Not really mm. out of like any sort of allegiance. I just the systems I had had FIFA on them, didn't have Pez. Mm. So you know and, and i was never a sony i was never a playstation guy so it was never there was never a sort of you never had a playstation no see here's the thing i was obviously i was massive into video games right like i say i had uh you know i had the, the master system the game gear the mega drive big sega guy saturn mm. got the dreamcast oh, and when i went to uni dreamcast. dreamcast was a great console oh. man sega really screwed up there um mm. But Sega screwed up everywhere, though. I mean, honestly, there's, there's literally hour-long videos on YouTube. But this is how Sega completely screwed themselves. Um, and they're actually quite interesting to watch because it is mm. mostly just American hubris and Japanese indifference. Combined. And it's just the two clashing, and it's very funny. Mm. But yes, uh, essentially, I had a Dreamcast. I loved playing my Dreamcast. I loved it. And when I went to uni, I was tempted to take it with me to uni. But I thought, no, because 100% it's going to get smashed or stolen. Mm-hmm. allow it leave it at home come back and play it in the holidays and i came back and my brother had broken it somehow <laughs> it Damn. didn't work and i was like <laughs> oh man i was so angry and i was a student i was broke i didn't have any money so i didn't buy another one i didn't buy another replacement and then i discovered at uni i discovered writing and so i was like man screw paying 500 pounds for games console i can make my own fun and then I became a completely different person at uni philosophy, discovered philosophy, discovered, discovered existentialism, just film studies, everything just went completely, became a different person and then sort of lost touch with video games. I still played games every now and again. My cousin, my cousin had a PlayStation, PS2, PS4, PS3, 
So I played games at his house, so like Skyrim, all these classic games I played, but in limited doses. And I didn't get a console until I got a PS5 last year. No, not last year, 2021. So you went 20 years, I'm guessing, without your own system? 20 years. No system. I just I would play it. I'd play it at my uh, my cousin's house, my friend's house. I'd play a few things here and there. I somehow uh, I, and the, the only game I played regularly in that time, the two games I played regularly in that time, were FIFA on the play on the piece on the PS on the PlayStation on the PC. Right, so on my mm-hmm. laptop I'd play FIFA. It was always old gen versions of it, but I'd I'd rinse FIFA, and so I'm <laughs> good at FIFA. Mm-hmm. And every every football nerd's favorite crack simulator oh, aka football manager football manager yeah 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 um yeah i've lost i don't know how many hours <laughs> for that game uh, I, I i can't i literally can't play it like, every, like you know every every time anyone comes out you see all the all the football guys going oh i'm starting to say for this is that and i was like i can't touch that game if i start playing that game bro it's i'm over. gone i will it's be gone. i'm genuinely serious i I've, I've lost so many you know back when i was at uni i didn't start writing my dissertation until literally three days before it was due <laughs> because I was too busy playing for a manager. Nah, you you know mean, what? I'm I'm good at what I'm good at what I do. So I got a two one anyway, right? Because okay. you know, I got I got <laughs> the skills, right? But I didn't I seriously, I didn't start. Literally, it was 2007. It was um you you might remember this. I don't know, people people definitely remember this when you know when Man United got absolutely humped by AC Milan 3-0. Um, basically, that was the week. I was my dissertation was due. Spider Man Three was coming out, I think it was <laughs> on Friday, and I was like so mad that you know I got smashed. I was like, oh fuck this! I'm gonna go write my dissertation now. I'm not playing no games, playing football games, no way. And just went went home and write, wrote my dissertation. Hey, smashed man, it if, out. If you got the two one, that's but, all yeah, that matters, so, right? So I mean, look, it's not it's not a one one. It's not a first degree. Second honors, you know, it's all right. Considering I basically just did no flipping work at all. Like, all right, sorry. Just relying on innate knowledge pulled the shit out of my ass. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was good because you know I'm good at what I do, but mm. <laughs> it could have been now, better. If okay, now, Mohammed, your your vibe, and this obviously we haven't met in real real life, but your vibe strikes yeah. me as someone who's quite younger than the stories you're telling. So if you went to college and you had a Dreamcast, I'm a, you might are you early 80s? Yeah, yeah, 83. Yeah. See, that's yeah, man. I'm old, bro. I told you, I'm old. But I've just um, I don't, I, don't, I can never tell if I, am I just deeply mature or do I just have a young vibe about me? You know, it's one of the it's, two. It's I'm... the latter. It's the latter. See, I thought we were more yeah, similar, yeah. but nah. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We we would have never gone to the same school. So no, no, no. I've got a funny story about that. Basically, mm. so I was having a discussion with Carl, the legendary, the one and only Carl Anker. Mm-hmm. Um, I was discussing on him on Twitter with him about Ronaldinho. And about like how Ronaldinho was just uh, like, and I would I would be like, we were judging, I had judging Ronaldinho by modern standards or something. Like that. I can't remember the exact type of conversation. And basically, he was like, I was like, listen, I know it sounds ridiculous, but Ronaldinho really did do absolutely insane shit every single week. Every single week, he would do something out of this world in a game. You would never thought, you think, I've never seen that before. It's incredible. And Carl said, with the very sensible sort of response, which was, did he really, or were you just a kid when you saw that? And I was like, Carl, I regret to inform you. I was an adult when Ronaldinho was doing those things. He did, you know. So even Carl was like fooled by my mm. youthful exuberance, I guess is the word. <laughs> so I mean, we could go many places, but let's well, let's anyway. let's let's start with basics. So how do you end up supporting two clubs? And I, and we might have covered this before, but let's get a refresher. Yeah, yeah. 
my dad's an Arsenal fan, right? Mm-hmm. But he's that kind of old school Arsenal fan that basically hates Arsenal, right? Because he's been saying, it's funny, really, because obviously all the discussion about Arsenal under Wenger was always, oh, he's turned them into the soft team. They just try and walk it into the net. They always collapse in November and February and shit. My dad's been saying that since the since before Wenger. Mm-hmm. He's been saying that about Arsenal. And so he basically made, made supporting Arsenal seem like the most painful thing in the universe. I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to support Arsenal. This my dad looks in agony every time he mentions Arsenal. I don't want. I don't want that in my life. I don't. Can I pause you right life. there quickly? So, how does your father go from Kenya to supporting Arsenal? Do you have the knowledge of how he became an Arsenal fan? Uh, he moved to England in okay. the sixties in uh, in North in North London. The Arsenal were the team. That, it's that just, there, it's, so it's regional. Okay, so I was thinking maybe he was in Kenya getting radio no, no, games no, 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 from no, no, Arsenal. No. He, okay, moved, okay. he moved to London in the sixties, and I think gotcha. Arsenal were just the closest club. I think he went to see them a few times, and he was okay. like, All "Right, that's my club." You said he made being an Arsenal fan seem miserable. He hated it. He hated Arsenal. He was like, "This, this is their, their rubbish. They'll always self-sabotage themselves. They'll always this." And if bear in mind, this is when they were challenging for the title. They won the title in what was it, eighty nine, ninety ninety? I can't remember with that famous goal at Anfield, right? So, so he just made it seem like so, such a chore. I was like, "Well, I don't want to do that." And so as I got into football, my first football hero was actually John Barnes. My again, this is really aging me my older cousin was a man <laughs> i mean john barnes fan i think because he's a liverpool fan as well mm. but i didn't really care for liverpool i just thought john barnes was the coolest guy like ever like like just dribbling the ball like a brazilian you know like they say and you if you ever watched john barnes back in the day that is how he played and it was just like this guy's amazing but i never for some reason it never translated into liking liverpool I was looking for, never, never really had a team, right? Like like in that sort of modern way where kids today don't really have teams, they're just like players. I was kind of like that at first. And then I found Cantona and I was like, holy shit, this mm. is the coolest person I've ever seen in my life. What is going on? This guy is so cool. I mean, well, no, sorry. After Muhammad Ali, this is the coolest person I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know, what is going on? This this guy's amazing. Okay, and he's this is dominant force. And I'm like, right, okay, I think I like this guy. And then United won the title. I was like, well, I may as well be a United fan. Like it wasn't really a sort of, do you know what I mean? It wasn't like a like a oh my dad took me to a game. I wish I, I wish I had a story like that. My dad took me to the game. I took, walked over the steps at Old Trafford and looked, looked at the steps for the end. I was like I was, a tear saw, rolled down my cheek. You know, I, I saw know. the grass and it just changed my. You know those. I, I saw the green yeah, grass and it changed my life. Look, I don't have, I, I don't have that story. I wish I did have that story, but that's mm. not me, right? So, um, yeah. So I just decided to be a United fan, and then and then. That was it. I was a United fan. I love United. And, uh, you know, turns out, you know, young lad, young me made a very good choice. Very good choice mm. uh, in terms of if you want you want to have a good childhood and, and win loads of stuff. And I mean, well, it's been terrible lately. But then, like I was discussing on Twitter recently, uh, United were great, genuinely amazing from like when I from my age, from me being 10 to me being like 30. You know, they stopped being amazing right when I got married and I had kids. And so it's like, when up from the years when football is the most important thing in your life, United were amazing, and they stopped being amazing right when I got more important things in life. So I was like, "That's a pretty sweet deal," mm. you know. It, it, in terms of, I mean, if I if I timed it, I couldn't have worked it out better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Fergie left 2013. I got married. I had the the giant trauma of the David Moyes season. I got married 2016. So, you know, very little time where United sucked. United sucked, and even then, in the interim, Barca were really good. So Barca, I came to in a much more superficial way. Because I'd seen them, obviously, I'd seen them play United off the park in the Champions League. I'd seen them, they've won the Champions League in 2002, 92, sorry. They were a great team. I knew of the dream team. I knew of all their great players. And then they got Ronaldo. 
and then they had those Kappa kits. You remember the one, the, the one mm-hmm. that Ronaldo wore, right? The blue yeah. one with the, yeah. with the Kappa logo all down the side. And the Kappa logo, of course, if you're back in the in the mid nineties, you're you're raising a relatively conservative household. <laughs> two women sitting back to back is like you're thinking oh snap so that's so cool have you seen the one where you put your thumb over the logo and it looks you know what i'm talking about no but i'm gonna go do that now <laughs> but if, if, that. if you put your thumb over the middle yeah. it's, it looks suggestive put it that way i mean that doesn't surprise so, me right that, mm. that, that should not be a, <laughs> be a surprise oh yeah okay <laughs> yeah okay I mean, see, if I'd known that when I was younger, they would, yeah. But anyway, this is what I'm saying. I loved the Kappa logo. I thought it was very, yeah. very cool. Uh, the kit was beautiful. And they had Ronaldo, who was the most otherworldly, superhuman thing I had ever seen. It's hard to describe Ronaldo because it sounds like you're lying, basically, because it's like, okay, what if what if Mbappe was an even, was, was a dribble, could dribble like Messi? Like, and it sounds like that's a lie, right? But it's true. Um, like Mbappe when he dribbles is this sort of electric sort of burst of pace like a lightning bolt, like mm-hmm. like Thor's just smack someone in the face with Mjolnir. You know, it's really impressive. But Messi has this sort of dexterous dribbling where he just sort of wrong foots you. Doesn't even have to do a skill move and just sort of leans his body one way or the other, and then you foot the defender falls over. Ronaldo could do that, and and he could run as fast as Mbappe runs, and he was as strong as I mean, Drogba, whatever. Right? Like it's it's. It sounds like a fake player when you describe Ronaldo, because it sounds like that's not no no one human being would have all those attributes, but he did, and and yeah, so I was like, this is it, I've got to be, oh my god, this is the greatest thing in the world, and so that was Barcelona was a combination of the kits, Ronaldo, and to be fair, Pep Guardiola, who I thought at the time because he didn't run around a lot. And he made great passes. And I was like, I don't run around a lot and I make great passes. Yeah. And also he's a he was a very Pakistani looking man for a Spaniard. <laughs> he looked like re- really very Pakistani. He could be Pakistani. Like if you've ever met Pakistan. A lot of Spanish people look you look at them, or Portuguese guys like Rui Costa, he could pass for Pakistani any day as well. Love Rui Costa as well, by the way. Hey, it makes um, it, it makes sense given, you know. The history of yeah. the, well, the exactly, wars, right? and exactly. yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. It, it makes sense that there's similarities there, right? And so, mm. and and so, I just like Pep. Even from then, I like Pep. Right? So Pep's been my guy for a long time. So you know, United was just literally me picking. It, both teams, it was just me picking a player that's just really, really cool, and sort of gravitating towards them. But with United, it was, it also with United, it was like Giggs was there. Giggs and Ince were very, very cool together. Giggs was young. Like and I mean I didn't know this at the time, but obviously he he's not he was he's biracial. I didn't know that at the time, but he didn't look mm-hmm. quote unquote didn't look like most white guys I knew. So you're just like he looks really cool. Ince was so cool back in the day. You know Bruce was really cool. not Bruce sorry uh, Keen was really uh, had that sort of dogged determination. Kanchelskis was a baller. Lee Sharp. I mean all the ladies love Lee Sharp. You know so it was just that was a team <laughs> thing. But with with Barca it was really just Ronaldo and Pep, mm-hmm. and then. Obviously, then it grew and expanded. The Van Gaal team came through Xavi's debut, and then it all, all went from there. But it all started with just Ronaldo, Pep, and those kits. Whereas, but United, it was more Canton. I led it into it, but then it was very easy to sort of expand out and just be because that whole United team was really memorable and really iconic. Now, this is something I find with Manchester United fans, specifically ones from London, and maybe mm-hmm. your origin story might affect this in some way. Um, but 
they seem to have more beef with Arsenal fans than Liverpool fans. Did you have that dynamic where like Arsenal? No, no, I hate Liverpool. I hate Liverpool so much. Oh my God. (laughs) I I definitely, don't get me wrong. I definitely beefed Arsenal, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like you said, that's more of a local thing, right? There's more Arsenal fans around you because you're from London Mm -hmm. and Arsenal fans have that incredible ability to just, without ever actually being offensive, like saying anything abusive or racist, or just being just so annoying and so hateable. It's, I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense because there's a fan base. They don't, they're not, they're, there's not anything overtly negative. I mean, obviously everyone, every fan base has its share of idiots and stuff, but by and large, Arsenal fans just managed to drive you insane, but just by existing and saying really stupid things, really weird. And just, they're just so weird Arsenal fans. Right. And so, <laughs> You know, they you definitely beef them, but Liverpool, man, no, 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 no. That was always the one because they remember they had the Spice Boys um back in the day, all the white suits, the white Armani suits showing up at the FA Cup final. So there was a there was a bit of a beef there early, and, and it wasn't obviously the rivalry with Wenger really matured later. But again, and this is again probably a factor of my age, right? Because if I was a bit younger, then it probably would. It would just be like a lot of younger, not younger, like, but guys in their in their mid thirties and you know early thirties, more had that beef with Arsenal because that was the Henri days, that was mm-hmm. the the Wenger days, right? But I was already like 15, 16 by then. When I was a kid, it was Liverpool was still the big rival, right? Because United still hadn't really knocked them off their perch at that time, even mm-hmm. though Liverpool hadn't won the title. They had that good team. They had McManaman, they had Fowler, they had Owen, they had uh, Ruddock, who, well, they bought Ruddock and he was a horrible bastard. Uh, you know, so there was still a beef there. So I've always beefed Liverpool, never liked Liverpool. Massive. And then it's made it very complicated because in the last few years, they've had Klopp, who is just impossible to dislike. Uh, you know, Jordan Henderson, who's impossible to dislike. And just like loads of players who you actually quite like. Only Robertson really carries the spirit of the old Liverpool. You just want to punch him in the face. But like, Obviously, they're all great footballers. They're all amazing. And I really, it was really weird for me the last few years because you just you had to respect the Liverpool team because not just not only were most of them actually really good people, which was you know, it's which in football is a rare thing, as you and I know. They were really good as well. They were a football team that, that clocked Liverpool. I mean, we all clown them because their fans got a bit carried away. We're talking about oh, Van Dijk's the greatest the Premier League defender of all time after what two three years of really good football and like one title in five years or whatever it is one champions league lost two finals so you know they're easy to clown them and we do clown them but they were really good and you know it's it's i don't want to say it's sad to see them like so terrible now because it's liverpool it's fun to watch liverpool fail but there's a hint of melancholy about it shall we say because it is it's, it's a great team falling away Mm. having only ever achieved really mediocre success and without anything quite as <laughs> eternal as the Invincibles, right? So the Arsene Wenger, Arsene Wenger only ever achieved one, three Premier League titles and he never could ever attain the title, never never made a dynasty, never did anything like that, right? But he has He's got the, the gold. He's got a golden Premier the, League, you know? He has the... And, and so that is, even if everything else has fallen by the wayside and to a degree it kind of has... Uh, he, he has the Invincibles and he has the, um, I mean, this is just good fortune, but he has, obviously, they won the title at Spurs. They won that, they won that title, won that game at Old Trafford. You know, they've got two big title deciding wins over Man United, you know, in the, in 98 and 2002. So, you know, they've got iconic moments, which Madrid uh, in 2006. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The run, run to the Paris final, even the Paris final was iconic, right? Whereas mm. Liverpool, 
apart from the Barcelona thing, you know, with the four 0 win over Barcelona, which is obviously historic, right? What do they that that their, their title win coming as it did under COVID? Because, and then their Champions League final, they had Spurs, which is like, uh, yeah, exactly. And it was awful. It was such a <laughs> bad game. Like, they, they, took, they took the lead early on with a with it, it was just a nonsense a bad decision, penalty. Yeah, and 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 the rest of the game where they sat on the lead. If they had gone for it, if they had blown, and they were better than Spurs. If they had blown Spurs out of the water, that would have been at least an iconic final, and it would have sort of made it an iconic Champions League, even though, again, even though they beat, they beat Barcelona 4-0 without Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane. Like, that's incredible. I, I mean, as much as Barca absolutely bottled the life out of that game, right, and completely collapsed, and it was the nadir of, of their banter era. Actually, maybe that was the 8-2. No, I, I still think Anfield was worse than the 8-2, because <laughs> the 8-2, they were clearly never going to compete with Bayern, mm. whereas the and they went into the Anfield with a 3-0 lead. <laughs> so, it's I feel bad for the Liverpool fans, because, like, like they, you can hear them like we never really got to celebrate our Premier League title. They came <laughs> so close to winning it last year, like like from nowhere they went that mad run, and you're thinking two nil Villa are two nil up on the final day of the season. You're thinking Stephen Gerrard, Coutinho has scored. Gerrard's the manager of Villa. You're thinking, holy smokes, is this is this going to happen? Mm. And then it just and then it, it all fell apart. I maintain, by the way, if Salah had scored or Liverpool had scored. When it was two 0 to Villa, they would have won the title because it would have filtered through to City that Liverpool are winning and Liverpool are going to be top champions. Because I think at the time, even though they were losing two, they were still going to be champions because of goal difference or something. I can't remember exactly, and it wasn't like completely desperate for them. Mm-hmm. And they got they got their goal back uh, through Gundogan and then Rodri, and then it was just, then it snowballed from there. And if I think if Liverpool would score when it was still two 0 to Villa, City might have just not been able to right, right, rouse themselves. It, it, it's a historic team. Like, like the, the quality they played, the quality of football they played, the consistency of football they played. And, then, and it's, it's the same. And you know what? As well, it's the same for Mourinho's Real Madrid. It's another great team like that. But I don't really feel bad for them because Mourinho is pure evil. I kind of love him. I kind of love him for being pure evil, but he is, he is pure evil. But I love him for that. <laughs> God on the mic, as I said. We'll, we'll, bring, we'll come to Mourinho in a bit. But like that Real Madrid team of his, monster team, one title, I mean, zero Champions Leagues. He left before they won it, although his core did eventually win both the La Decima and then basically three in a row. But, um, and that was all fused with Mourinho. As much as Zidane was the manager, it was all fused with Mourinho's, the, the tactical grip Mourinho put into the team. And the whole core of that side was Mourinho, except for Casemiro. The whole core of that team was Mourinho and Cruz, I guess, but he was never the core of the team. Modric, Cristiano, Benzema, Varane, you know, Pepe, that was all Mourinho. Ramos as a centre back. That was Mourinho as well. So mm-hmm. that that was one in the eye for those people that says Mourinho doesn't build anything because he did definitely build that. But yeah, you know those 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 are the two great nearly teams of of um of this century. I think where like absolutely in any other era they would just be god tier teams remembered for all time. But because of Pep Guardiola, they're not footnotes, but. They won't be remembered among the immortals. Well, well, the 2012 semi-final against Bayern. This doesn't have anything to do with Pep necessarily, but they got to penalties, and Mourinho tells the story of you know they were training penalties all week, and he put Cristiano Ramos and and, and Kaká as his first yeah, three takers. Yeah. Ramos's penalty is still in space. I'm of the assumption, even as a Chelsea fan or someone that has Chelsea loyalties, is more accurate. That if Madrid get to the 2012 final, they win 
the whole spectral element of Chelsea's 2012, that like all of that is fine, beating Bayern in Munich, all of that. But if that 2012 team gets to the final, they win it. And if they win it with Mourinho, they get something. And it's not that oh, yeah. nearly team. So well, that's La Decima. If if they if they win it, that's La Decima. And that's right. the, that's the history making win. You know, and honestly, because on the one hand, you're probably correct in the sense that obviously Madrid were a better team than Chelsea that year, but at the same time, so were Barcelona and so were Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich had like what was it, 30 shots in that game? Like I, I think the breaks off of Chelsea. And to see, this is the I, thing, though. This is the, I think Chelsea win it because it was in Munich and because Bayern had the pressure of playing at home in some way. It's possible. It's possible. And, I mean, that and was it, part it, of it, 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 it helped Chelsea coalesce around the idea of it's, it's us against the world. Everybody's yeah. against us. If, if it was Madrid in the same stadium, it's going to feel more like, mm. uh, like actually a neutral ground rather than uh, an away game. And I think that nuance helped Chelsea in some ways. Rather I, than I think you're probably right, ahead, but it's no. It's just if you look at I the way I look at that 2012 Champions League run, right? Because mm. basically you got outplayed by everybody, Napoli, <laughs> uh, Barcelona. Not not so much. Who was it in the quarterfinals? I can't remember now. Benfica. 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 That was it. And then um, and then obviously Barcelona and Bayern Munich were the most egregious examples of just you just got your you know the pants beat off you, but you still got gutted out and got the win. In part because Guardiola beefed PK in the in the away leg at Stamford Bridge. In part because Messi bottled the penalty. It was just, but you know what I always look at it as, right? Because there's so many weird little factors that had to coalesce mm. before that run from when Abramovich took over, which is another whole moral conflict, moral quandary, <laughs> to the end of 2010-11. Chelsea had really bad luck in Champions League, like really bad luck. They got tough groups, and when they got to knockout rounds, they got screwed by either just insane bad luck or like really bad officiating like 2009 obviously the famous one pep pep uh the of Rabo, just a useless referee can we stop there that game and that run specifically as someone who's barcelona united those two finals but specifically 2009 like the way you got yeah. past chelsea and th- like how was that run like watching that do you know what's the funniest thing in the world is, right? Before the 2008-9 season, because obviously Pep's my favourite guy. So me and my friend, we were discussing about what, what were our hopes for the season because he knew Pep was my guy, right? Mm-hmm. Pep was my guy. This is my dream. Pep being Barca manager, are you kidding me? And so I said, what I would love, right? Because I knew the Champions League final was in Rome, right? And if, if you know one thing about Italian football fans, they hate Man United, right? At least they did back then. They couldn't stand Man United. In part because Man United beat the shit out of Rome of 7-1. So my, I said, my, my biggest dream would be for Barcelona's program, Barcelona to win La Liga, win the win the Copa del Rey, get to the Champions League final in Rome, and then lose to Man United. Because then A, Man United retain Champions League, A, Man United win the Champions League in Italy, which really won the Italians up. And B, it gives Pep room to grow. But like, I was like, you don't, you don't want to treble your first season. Where do you go from that? So before the final, we, we, we and my friend were like, is this actually going to happen? <laughs> Have I actually <laughs> predicted the whole fucking treble season? And then as it turns out, Fergie made some mistakes with the lineup. Nemanja Vidic can't defend people that dribble at him. And <laughs> who I mean, Messi could jump you know, like that? that? Is, listen, that, that was the least improbable thing of it all, to be honest. I wasn't even surprised because no one was marking him because United were just exhausted from chasing the shadows the whole game. But you know, that that the start of that game, the first 10 minutes of that game, a wild, wild ride. Ronaldo is like clear on a one-man mission to win it himself. Very nearly does it, but for Valdez playing well. Part of G Sung is about to have a tap in off a rebound, but PK comes in and sticks a leg in, blocks it. You're thinking, okay, United are flipping goblin mode here. They're gonna, this is it now. 
And then out of nowhere, the ball touches Xavi's feet for the first time in the whole game. And Xavi gets it to, to, I think it's to Iniesta. Iniesta runs through about three people, feeds it to Etu, and Etu just turns Vidic to flipping jelly (laughs) and pokes it in. And it's just, and then the entire game, United just completely lost composure, right? So that game was, I was neutral or if anything, more on the side of Man United. On that sounds game, like I, it, it sounds know, like it. It sounds yeah. like you were on. You know, I wanted you United to, to, to have. Yeah. I wanted United to have that retain the Champions League, and I could, you know, boil the piss of all the Italian fans. By the time Wembley rolled around, <laughs> boiled the piss. It was like it almost flipped, not because of anything I, I didn't like United, it was just because that United team was not very good. That one that made the final, not rubbish, but like it was held together by bits of tape and string and the work rate of Park Ji Sung, and Wayne Rooney was just really amazing as well mm. and Giggs was having like a, like a great season it was a weird team right it didn't make any sense like how they won the title and stuff and it was clear that Barcelona went in the middle of something very special and much as I don't rate the Champions League as highly as a lot of people it is still something that if you want to really cement your legacy as a team you want to win it win it more than once ideally right and so it was clear to me that I mean honestly I would have been happy either way with whatever the result was but I was thinking it makes more sense for Barca to win this because that will cement Pep's legacy cement this legacy of this team which has been amazing from the start of the season to the end and of course that's what happened in the end right um Fergie was was completely outclassed on the pitch uh had no idea how to respond Pep took a big gamble with Abidal returning from cancer and Abidal was just amazing against Valencia. I remember before the game, me and my brother were like, you can't put Abidal out there against Valencia. He's just coming from cancer. Valencia's a beast. They'll kill him. But <laughs> Abidal was unreal. You know, got to lift the trophy. That was a beautiful moment. Go down in, in Champions League history. You know, it was... Yeah, it's... Uh, it, it was it was weird because obviously the first final, I was very much wanted United to win it. And then United won. And then the second, by the second time, I was like, well, let's have Barca win it. So it was like... Yeah, it was it was interesting, but that 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 run, the 2009 semi, was the craziest thing because I watched Barca beat the shit out of everybody all season, right? No one comes close to them, right? No one touches them. Chelsea come along, and I know what's going to happen, right? Because I know how Chelsea play against Barca. I know what I knew what was going to happen. They're going to sit back and they're going to defend, and they're going to be really hard to break down. Injuries, Barca was starting to slow down a little bit. Injuries were breaking them down a bit. Uh, Etu was going through a bit of a, a lean patch and it was like, okay, what's going to happen here, right, at the camp now? And of course, Barca got a couple of, didn't get a couple of penalties they should have had and what have you and Bojan misses that great header right at the end. But ultimately, Barca didn't really pressure Chelsea's goal enough, right, to, to deserve a win. Mm-hmm. And Nilna, I want to say Nilna was fair, but Nilna wasn't a surprise, right? And so, that okay, so it's going to the bridge. This is going to be <laughs> tough, right? And then Essien just absolutely shin ones, shins one in. From like 25 yards on the volley. <laughs> like just sticks his foot at it and you go there you're thinking, oh, it's going to be one of those. That's one of the best well. That's one of the best goals in a losing performance ever. It, it wasn't even a losing performance. They drew the game. But yeah, they drew the but game. it was an ultimate loss. But it was just like that yeah, goal, yeah, yeah. man. But it, it strikes the crossbar, hits the ground, and bounces again, up. And, come on, bro. In in the in the same way that if you describe Ronaldo uh, R9, people think you're lying. If you describe Essien, prime Essien to people, they'd think you're lying. Because... A player that intelligent, tactically, that uh, uh, skillful with the ball, able to shoot like that, and that physically dominant, again, shouldn't be possible. And obviously it wasn't in the end. And injuries completely tore him to pieces because mm-hmm. you can't sustain that level of physical dominance for that long, right? And um, But when he was in his prime, holy shit, Essien was Beast. a player. That goal was just outrageous. 
that goal that goal completely rocked Barcelona. They did not play well at all. And I don't think Avrebo was biased. I think he was just a shit referee because he made some bad decisions for Barca. Like the Abidal red card was terrible. Like that, he, they can and they'll trip over his own feet. You're like, yeah, Abidal, you're sent off. He was just a no. terrible. Okay, no. okay, okay. okay. Yeah. Chelsea fans claim there were like five penalties. I think there were two nailed on penalties. Okay, the PK handball, PK handball, and the Eto handball. Those two the for Eto me. One, are guaranteed. Like the Maluda one, I don't really argue that one. The Drogba one, I don't argue that one. There's another one in there somewhere. But yeah, I can't wait. Really, the, the, the Maluda one is 100% a dive. Maluda was playing for it. The Drogba yeah. one, you could give. I've seen him given, right? The Drogba one, exactly. I can see why. I've seen those the, given, the, 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 but and, I'm not going to stake my reputation on that being a penalty. Yeah. The the, the PK handball where he, he knows it's one, he's expecting the whistle and it doesn't. It's the, it's the most blatant thing I've ever. Oh. I, that was a mistake. Like, like that's the worst of them all, right? Like, okay, the the Etu one again because it's so he's re- protecting his face and it's a shot. No, really no, no, hard no shot stop it. His arm was. A, it's like he was praising the Lord. The arm, his arm was above his head. So stop. No, I'm not praise like Balak's oh. fury. Perfect. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, and, and what a gift as well. What a gift that became as well. Like, imagine if that happened. If Twitter had been flying in those days, that oh. that was a great. Do you know what? Do you know what? Twitter existed. I don't know if people yeah, were live tweeting like big, games, but you know. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't the big, big deal. Yeah, today. Yeah, I think yeah, memes yeah. are more on like on forums and stuff until <laughs> then. But we still got some right. good stuff out of it. But and then credit Iniesta's goal, man. Like, oh man, what a hit! What From a, a hit. guy who can't shoot for shit. He scored some absolute bangers. Banger. A guy who can't shoot at all. Absolutely. Like Pedri's got that same vibe now in the new Barcelona team where you look at him, you think you can't shoot, but he scores some absolute bangers. And like Iniesta, that goal, World Sick. Cup final goal. An amazing goal to start 2011 season where he just sort of curled one in. He's had some really good goals. But yeah, that goal, Messi did really well. Dani Alves basically over uh, hits a beautiful cross into the box. John Terry, amazing defensive header, right? And Essien, who have just been, been talking about how great he is. He just needed to clear the ball. Just clear just your line, bro. And, and, <sighs> and Messi gets, and Messi, again, Messi's been rubbish the whole game. That's about as bad as I've seen, as I ever saw Pete Messi play. It's a cute square and ball, man. Just... He, he gets the ball and he just, he keeps it one second. Like, you think normally you get the ball and put it back in the box. He, he, he holds on to it for like one second to let Iniesta run to position. Just what he holds, you watch him do it. He puts his, puts his, puts his ass in the, in the, in out and just hold, leans back for one second to hold on to the ball and then releases it. And that one second gives Iniesta, Iniesta a chance to get into position, unbalances the Chelsea defence. They're not looking at Iniesta now. They're looking at Messi. Ball goes to Iniesta. Iniesta hits it perfect. I mean, it's a perfect shot. One in a million shot. Barca <sighs> didn't deserve to win that game. Over the balance of the tie, you could argue maybe, yeah, sure, they probably deserved it. Maybe but you could argue Chelsea just as much. And this is what I'm saying. That's Chelsea true. got absolutely so much bad luck. Like, remember the was it into an inter beat you the next year that Walter Samuel that was a power, wasn't it? Not a penalty. Walter Samuel yanked down, I think it was Drogba. Chelsea had so much bad luck oh, that in 2012 really? it all came back all in oh. one campaign. All the luck came pouring back. So oh. I'm not even like honestly, part I'm not even that mad that, that Chelsea did that to Barca that they whatever they want because I think it's like you know what they had such bad luck. It worked. It's all come back to them at once. Fair play. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
let's do some word association. You ready? Okay. Yeah, Glazers. Yeah. Parasites. <laughs> Ferguson. Goat. Goat. Um, Busquets. Underrated. Beckham. Misunderstood. Rashford. King. And last one. Last I love one. Marcus Rashford so much, bro. I don't think, you know, <laughs> I love that boy so much. He's He is a, a shining example to footballers and human beings around the world. I love him. Last one. I'll, I'll go Javi. Promise. I mean, he's my guy. I love Javi since he was a great, but I'm, I'm thinking right now, I'm thinking as a coach. I'm thinking as a manager. I, I, I got you. It's, it's not, it's not, I mean, look, I, again, I would say also growth, like the greatest central midfielder of all time. But I'm, right now I'm thinking, you say Javi, I'm thinking manager. Mm-hmm. Promising. He's not, he's not at, he's not quite there yet, but he's got a lot of very good ideas, done a lot of very good stuff at Barcelona. Barcelona looked really, really good because of him. Like if Araujo had not got injured in November, they'd still be in the Champions League. If he had, but he does some weird stuff too. Like for example, last week against Man United, he played. He doesn't play his first choice back four. He plays Marcus Alonso and, and uh, Jordi Alba. And where do Man United's both goals come from? The space occupied by Marcus Alonso and Jordi Alba. <laughs> wow, we could have told you that. that coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so I, I do have two more actually that 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 I just thought of. Cristiano. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mischaracterized as, as a as a footballer. That is to be clear, as a footballer, as a person. <laughs> well, no, actually, you know what? In general, because as a person, people yes. think he's 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 good. He's not good as a footballer. People compared him to the goat. He's not the goat. He's one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. He's a goal scorer. He's Hugo Sanchez. He's French. He's French Pushkas. He's Ruben Nistelrooy. Compare him to them. That those are his peers. Not literally the greatest player ever played the game. Who compare you compare to the other guys like Maradona and Messi? Anyway, and 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 the last one. Is Pogba. Yeah. Oh, can I have two words? Unfairly treated. So maligned. If he wasn't black, and not even like if he was English, if he was just white, right? Forget what country. If he was just a white person, the reactions to him would be, he could do everything else exactly the same. He would be treated 10,000% differently. It was, and it wasn't like Mourinho was being racist when he went after him. Mourinho wasn't, but the way that fans latched onto Mourinho's criticism of him betrayed the racism in their hearts, as it were. <laughs> Absolute, like, <laughs> such a good footballer. Like, obviously, like because he wasn't... Oh, God, mate, honestly, Pogba, I, you know, it's so unfair what... Because people looked at how you play for France, they're like, why doesn't he do that for United? Well, because United don't play the same way that France play. People think, oh, why isn't he this midfielder? Why is he that midfielder? Because he's not... He is who he is. He mm. is Paul Pogba. He's not Xavi. He's not Xavi Alonso. He's not whatever. The closest analog as a footballer is probably Raquel May, to be honest, right? Oh, wow. Like in terms of attitude, like he doesn't really want to press too much. He can do it if you ask him to, but he doesn't really want to. He wants to roam. He wants to play passes. He wants to dribble and he wants to shoot. That's why his best performances in in on the um, his best performances at club uh, club level came at Juventus when he had Arturo Vidal doing all the running and Andrea Pirlo constantly finding him between the lines because then he was just free to be himself. At United, they tried to make him into a deep-line playmaker. He could do that sort of role. But the thing as well is, the other, the other problem, the main problem he had at United was, United sucked <laughs> basically the whole time he was there yeah. through no fault of his own. And he, like, he didn't have a midfield partner. I'm sorry, could you imagine Paul Popper playing as the Casemiro? Like, how, how cool is that Fred? And McTominay gets to play against Casemiro. Did Paul Popper ever get to play against Casemiro? Did Paul Popper ever? You know, no, he didn't. And then... Unfairly or not, he Bruno Fernandez showed up and did everything United wanted fans wanted Pogba to do 
he did it, Bruno. And so it made Pogba look really bad. But that was just because Bruno is a different kind of person. Bruno is a manic, he's like, a try-hard. obsessive competitor. Yeah, a... exactly, right? And like, and like try-hards gonna... work in broken teams. Yeah, it's always going to go with fans. Like, it, just someone who tries. Teams, in broken teams, the guy that runs the most is usually going to make a difference, right? And United mm. were a broken team from 2014 through to uh, 2021, 2022. A broken team. Right in various degrees of fixed, Van Gaal came closest to fixing it before Ten Hag, but broken team. And so the guy that excels in Bruno Fernandes excelled, and that's why at first Bruno struggled under Ten Hag because it's like, what am I doing here? What do I? What role do I do? And that's why this sort of weird thing where he's now playing right wing is sort of unleashing the best of Bruno under Ten Hag because it's putting him where he can just do his sort of anarchic stuff without harming the team mm-hmm. in the way that he does if he's playing number ten, right? Yeah, like I, Pogba, I just, it's the greatest, it's its such a, it's such a crying shame. It's such a, a crying shame and a sort of like a, a, not a beacon, a monument to institutional racism, the way he was treated and, wow. and unconscious on racism and implicit and, un, you know, unspoken racism, the way that Pogba mm. was treated. 100%, that's exactly what it was. Anyone that denies it is lying to themselves. You look at the way he was treated versus anyone else, in that position, if he was white, it would have been completely different, completely different, or any or any other race, frankly. But especially if he had been white. But you know, because he was black. Like, remember what, the one thing I said from the last part that I remember is remember what one voice to be rude on was racism ruins everything. Yep. And, yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> racism ruined the way Paul Popper, Paul Popper could have been at Man United. Hundred hmm. percent ruined it. This makes me so mad. So what what did you study in university? Uh, film studies and philosophy, joint honors. So how did you get, how did you go from film and philosophy to the work that we know you for, maybe with Squawka most notably? Film was my main focus, right? Philosophy I did almost as a side thing because I just discovered, I took a class, one class, uh, Introduction to Philosophy, because I needed the credits and I need to do something. So I took a class and I was like, my teacher, Paul Tomasi, he's dead now, very sad. But he was a wonderful, he loved philosophy. He just was so into it. And I'd always been sort of quasi interested in it. And I was like, this is cool. And so I just, I, I took it up as a minor. And so with philosophy, I just used concepts I've learned in philosophy in my film studies classes and, you know, as analyze films and stuff, which, which helped. And there was a surprising amount of crossover. You know, my dissertation was about the way uh, three films betray the nature of the artist in that society. So I used Lust for Life about Van Gogh, Andre Rublev about Andre Rublev, which is a Russian film, and then Chi Wasson, which is a Korean film about Yang Sangip, uh, a Korean painter, mm-hmm. and to describe, to discuss, like how do they portray what what does that what what does that speak to about art and how art is consumed in that world? So obviously in Van Gogh, it's a purely like how capitalism is oppressive and crushes the dreams of artists, right? And how Andre Rublev is about suspe- about censorship, right? And what that does to the people. And Chi Wasson is about just the nature, the spirit of the artist, the fire of the artist, and how that can Rub up against regimes and stuff. So, from film, so I love film. I love film. And it's funny because you, you see me now on Twitter, I'm just like going, Marvel, Marvel, because I just love Marvel films because I've got kids now and <laughs> I don't have time to sit down and watch three hour Russian films anymore. But I'd love to still be able to do that. But I just don't have the time between work and the kids. It's just, you know, it's harder to get down and sit down and watch art house films. My wife has no interest in those kind of films as well. So oh. it's just, it's difficult, um, but I still love that shit. I still love that kind of stuff. Uh, so, but Marvel is just easier. Plus, I love Marvel. I grew up reading Marvel comics, watching Marvel cartoons. So to me, like Marvel stuff is like my childhood come to life. So I love that. So how do you think film film study 
and, yeah, and critique yeah. of film study and yeah. philosophy affected the way that you write and think about football? Well, lots of film analogies, for one. <laughs> lots of references, <laughs> you know, lots of references. And, you know, obviously, I watch a lot of Tarantino. Uh, so a lot of snappy dialogue. I try to write like I'm talking rather than like writing like, in a journalistic style. Like, well, like like a proper journalist does. I'm a writer. I've, I've never I've always made very clear I'm not a journalist because I don't want I'm not a journalist. I haven't been to train, haven't been trained as a journalist, and I don't do the work of journalists. They're, they're, they're really good, they do great stuff, and I don't do that. And I don't want to be trying to pass myself off as a journal, right? I'm a writer. Mm. And um, you know, so my writing is just it's I write more as like a dialogue, like I'm writing a conversation. I try to write as if I would speak because I feel that's easier to read. It's more fun to read and engaging to read as if someone instead of just using, you know, cliches and 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 journalist journal speak, I just try to write a conversation. But film, there wasn't that much influence. Philosophy was a huge influence because it just philosophy taught you, philosophy taught me how to how to write better. How to write more more clearly, more cogently. How to argue. How to beat anybody in an argument, in any argument about anything. Like it just gave me a thirst for knowledge and taught me how to argue my point in such a way that basically it was bulletproof. And so that again, that massively informed the way I wrote about things because I'm, as you know, I've got strong opinions about a lot of things and especially mm. football. So being able to back those up with, if not factual analysis, factual analysis, then at least a, a robust rhetoric that can be a strong defense <laughs> that that's what philosophy right. got it didn't lead naturally to football writing i you know i went through a period of unemployment i was just like what do i do with a philosophy and film degree i was like hmm and then i just started writing blogging about football i discovered twitter i was in the below the lines in sidlow's um in the comment section of sidlow's weekly la liga blogs i love la liga sid was encouraging i'd always talk you Sid would go into the into the comments and talk to you you know, and, you know, that was always good. And then Twitter, obviously, I, you know, bumped into sit on there. And it really, it was the great Russo Okwonga, who I can't speak hardly enough of, who in 2014, I think, or 2013, he was like, look, you're really smart. You know, you've done some podcasts with some cool guys, you know, Greg Johnson and, and uh, Bearded Genius. You've done some podcasts. You, you know your stuff. You write well about football on Twitter. You better do a fucking blog. He's <laughs> like, I want you. I'm demanding you write about football. Do a blog. I was like, I don't know. It's like, look, the World Cup's coming up. Do a blog on the World Cup. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you to do it. I'm demanding you're too talented. And so I did. And that blog got me into Squawker. And because they were like, oh, he can actually write actual stuff. So yeah, I have to give all credit to, to Musa Okwonga. Shout out Great to Musa. We, we've go listen to the talking with, if you haven't already, that we did with Musa. He's a really interesting cat. He, um, he is. An incredible human being and a wonderful yeah. person and i love him dearly and he's great now see I, I was talking with maher mazahi who's a north african football journalist really good and he studied philosophy as well i was explaining to him that like i i did english in university and yeah. i kind i take pride in that especially with like the journalism folks because when i write about football uh, and you you almost took like the, the words out of my brain it's like I'm not, I didn't go to journalism school. I don't know what you guys studied. I studied how to write and how to formulate arguments. I'm not here to ask the right questions in a press conference or how to set up mm -hmm. my camera on a tripod and all of those really important journalistic things that I'm sure you learn. Like English mm -hmm. is about the theoretical basis of what you're thinking and, and how do you write that in a way where people can understand it? Or even if they don't understand it, they understand it like in the subtext. Yeah. And that 
is the fun part of football for me. So I always like people who come into football from like, not the journalist space, but somebody who comes from like an economics background or someone who comes from a philosophical background or someone who comes from, it could be left field. You could be doing like medical stuff <laughs> and, and then you just come into football and you use the brain that, that you've tailored in education or your own independent research. And then you funnel it through a sport that generally everyone likes and, and your style of writing is going to be tailored and special. It's not just going to be that like cliche thing that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Football is such a universal experience that you can, like you said, plug in your view of it. Like, you mm -hmm. know, you're like, you remember the film national treasure, you know, they have those weird <laughs> x-ray specs with different lenses yeah. make different effects. It's like that, right? You can have your different lenses of football. So you have the journalism, the straightforward journalism view of football, but then you come into it from philosophy or film you start seeing uh, 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 wrestling metaphors everywhere. You know, if, if you talk to Carl Anker. That's Carl, that's Carl, that's Carl, that's Carl. You, yeah, you start seeing film stuff everywhere. You know, you start seeing references to film plays, Valg the mm. Ring cycle. You start seeing epic sagas be told in front of your eyes. And, you know, it, and it just helps you, I feel, in, in terms of, for me anyway, I was able to write more about the grand scope of things within also the moment to moment. So, like, my favourite stuff that I always wrote was always about Messi and about... Uh, 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 things that echo throughout history. One of my favourite things I wrote actually was was player ratings on Real Madrid when they beat PSG just last year. Last year, yeah. And it because when because I I, I just write like a paragraph or two on Benzema. It wasn't a lot, but it was just so much fun because that was such a deeply historic, like damn near perfect performance from him. And it was like just the way to write about the way that he just sort of pulled Madrid back from the brink with every inch of his soul. Like doing things, doing something that you would not have thought even possible, you know, to just and just the way he made it look so he makes everything look so effortlessly easy because he has that real languid sort of style of play, mm. right? Whereas a lot of other great players are just sort of frenetic, and which is obviously awesome in a way. Lightning, but like Mbappe is a lightning bolt, right? Benzema just seems to play the game as a striker as if he was a midfielder. Like he just sort of it flows through him. And even the goal he scored in Liverpool yesterday, where he wrong footed the whole team with a shake, he didn't like do a massive skill. He just sort of turned his body to the left, and it was just like everyone fell down. It was just beautiful <laughs> poetry, emotion, and it was just yeah. you know. So I love writing about players like that. Benzema's mm. one of them. That's why I never jived with Cristiano Ronaldo in the way that other people think because he's too much of a like Mbappe. It's like I, you can write about that. Like he's a oh my god, it's like a sledgehammer to the face, right? It's really direct. Haaland is the same really physical well, with Harden at least because he's so monstrously big you can make anime references which is fun but like with Ronaldo with Mbappe it's they're obviously physically so remarkable that it's not not saying it's not fun to write about them but it's like it's pretty obvious what you write about them right yeah. whereas players like Benzema like Xavi uh, uh, like Raquel May like Messi you know they have this sort of you know uh, even Grealish at Villa was kind of the same you know they just they just have this sort of ridiculous Riyad Mahrez, JJ Akotcha, you know, Fanidi George, if anyone's old enough to remember Fanidi George. Like, they mm -hmm. just have this sort of ridiculous elegance to them that make football look like a dance. And football is not a dance. Football is extreme athletic excellence. And you look at any other sport and the athleticism is ferocious. You look at NBA, you look at the best players in the NBA history, like these monster dunks, like LeBron just leaping 30 feet in the air. You know, you look at the NFL, big play touchdowns, amazing catches, but it's all feats of endurance and athleticism. It's these big, wide gestures, catching a ball in one hand, and you're like, holy smokes, how do you do that? What is on his hand? Is he growing little hairs on his hand to catch the ball like that, you know? It could be the and gloves. It's all, 
It's for no the gloves, but look, man, some of those patches, gloves, I don't care. They must have spikes yo, on their hands. About yo, don't this. don't lose your thought, but I do want to have a little aside here. Yeah, because I've noticed this since following you. What got you into NFL? Oh, NFL was before football, bro. NFL was before football because my dad wow. likes NFL. He actually likes likes NFL instead of like hate hate liking it like he does with Arsenal. He actually loved. And in the eighties, NFL was big in the UK. It was on hmm. uh, Channel Four every weekend. They'd have a live game and they'd air a highlight program, and they had NFL stickers. Panini had NFL stickers, and I love that shit. And so I was like, because because the thing is, when you're a kid, NFL is so much more. Oh my god, these men are massive and they're just literally hitting each other. It's, it's incredible. War, yeah, I wish it's... I could. It's like <laughs> you're allowed to do that. And they were oh, they look like soldiers, but they look like flipping gladiators wearing these mm-hmm. giant suits of armor. And of course, in the 80s, that they, they had you had the blackout visors on the helmet. It just looked so intimidating, bro. You're like, I want to wear one of those. Oh my who, god. Okay, so so who was your favorite football player or like American football player? And then how did you become a 49ers fan? I think. Uh well. It's the same thing, Jerry Rice, because Jerry Rice. Okay. there was a guy called Rice, and I was like, "There's a I'm, I'm Asian. I eat, I eat rice all the time. There's a man called Rice. That's incredible. I love him." And Joe Montana, obviously, is another favorite of mine. Kaepernick, love Kaepernick. Uh, uh, yo, actually, actually, bro, tell yeah. the people how cold Steve Young was. Oh, bro, look, listen, Steve Young. You know, absolutely, just outrageous. Like the way he could move, the way he could throw the ball. That white boy was bad, man. Steve Young, bad. Steve bad Young dude. is underrated, man. When when he's a bad dude, when, man. When people talk about like kind of how the the NFL offense has like evolved over time, and you see people like maybe Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, like people who can throw the football like like yeah. like like their bullets, but can ha- have that wiggle to them. Steve Young is yeah, one of those yeah, guys where I'm like, imagine him in like a modern day offense. Or even just him he, with a, with a more dynamic, you know, uh, Niners team like Niners were not not declining, but they were not the Niners of the eighties, mm-hmm. right? If if Bill Walsh had, I mean, Bill Walsh got rid of Joe Montana, who at that time was the probably the greatest quarterback alive for <laughs> Steve Young. That's how much confidence he had in Steve Young. Steve Young was cold, man, he was cold, absolutely bro. outrageous. And like again, yeah, like in the in a modern sort of scheme, <laughs> ten years after he came through, like you know, him Vic is another one. You just oh, uh, Vic. Do you know what? Okay, issues are. My, 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 the, I mean, I remember when he came back, man, for the Eagles, and the refs just let, let defenders hit him on every play. Every play, they hit him late, and the refs were like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's let cool. Do, let like, it. my imagine if I'm falling out of love, basically, with the NFL. I still play Madden on the PS5 it's on occasion. It's easy to fall out of love with the NFL, bro. I mean, in terms exactly. of morality and stuff, but, it's but, very but, easy. But my imagine if is Vince yeah, Young. Yeah. Put Vince Young, Texas Vince Young. You put him yeah. in this modern offense, six foot five. Why did that? Why did that never happen? Bro? Four three why forty. Did that not work? Too early. Too Jeff early. Fisher, like, man, you know. that's why. It's just ugh. yeah. He was him. I'm starting over my words because yeah. I'm so angry. Like, no, 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 no. He was him. He was absolutely him. Vince Young was legit. Anyway. Like, but Marty Jones is great. So if you, if you still want to read someone on Vince Jones's college career, like you read, he's always on about like, listen, man, that guy was. The most ridiculous thing you've ever seen in your life. And then the you know, NFL was so different back then. It, uh, it's a shame, really. We were saying that football, it's a yeah. different type of athleticism to American football or basketball. Yeah, so the NFL, so, and so part of what I loved about the NFL, although my, my uh, you know, obviously he's not a very nice person, but Lawrence Taylor was my other favorite player from the Giants. <laughs> just because, again, my big attraction to the NFL was, apart from the fact that you could, the big dramatic athletic plays, it was, was that you could just run up and smack someone right in the face. And that mm. was a legal play. Like, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And Lawrence Taylor was 
the most dominant physical athlete I think I'd seen. Maybe I've maybe still that I've seen outside of like Mike Tyson in a in a boxing ring. Like you know, he was oh my god, he changed he changed what it meant to be a Russia. Like my mm. god, and dominance of of of, of American football and, and basketball as well was another great one. It was really dominant. And even tennis, I mean, tennis didn't used to be, but it has become a very sort of physical space dominated by Nadal, by Djokovic, mm-hmm. you know, Murray, long, big rallies, big heavy hits. So you're not more like a Federer guy then? Yeah, not much like, you know, it's even Serena, for all her incomparable genius, lots of power in her game, right? Which is not a flaw, but I'm just saying like this, the grace to it isn't always there necessarily anymore, right? In a lot of these sports. And that's not bad. Because there's there's absolutely a lot of appreciation, and there should be for powerful feats of athleticism because they are spectacular in their own way. But like, I could never do that, you know. I'm not I'm not trying to badmouth dominant athleticism, but <laughs> football has a grace to it that I don't think any other sport really does. I mean, mm. that's in part probably because you just use your feet, so you've had to sort of develop. It allowed you to use your hips in a different sort of way, the way that only really NF good NFL running backs can sort of do. But NFL running backs have to contend with running into six foot three, three hundred pound dudes so often that it kind of dulls their shine a little bit, right? Whereas in football, you don't have that problem. And you look at Benzema as a great example. Modric is another great one because he's not fast, but like he see when he runs with the ball, he is fast. Pedri is a is like the is like a little Modric, little Iniesta, right? That sort of like Iniesta was another great example. Xavi, just a foot a game, a sport where you can use your brain and your technique and, and fluidity rather than your physical like dominance to, to win i just think that's so incredible for me the ultimate example the... is 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 zidane well zidane was incredible because he was a physical specimen he's a big powerful dude but he he, he was walked, big like, but like he walked he, like he was made of feathers that was a really good one by the way um you wouldn't put him in like a, a 100 meter dash or you wouldn't put no, him to to, to, to a bench press but there was something about him that was just balletic I mean, yeah, he, he, he was, he was, I mean, cause he was, that, that's almost what, that's why I think he, he stands out as so remarkable because obviously Iniesta, who I think better than Zidane in all time, uh, oh, you know, no, no, no. Well, Javi, these guys, they were graceful, but they're small, right? And they're, they're nimble and they're lithe, got that thin body type. Zidane was built like a, like a linebacker. I mean, not exactly. Was he? Huge, but like, he was he was just tall and kind of big, but like he wasn't he wasn't like some Adama Traore type. No, no, no. But he was very imposing because he was tall and broad shouldered, and so like you. And there's have you seen that film Goal? The second one has Zidane in it. I think it's the second one. Maybe it's the first one. I don't know. And he's only in it for a second, and he just leans against the bar and orders a drink. I think he radiates awesomeness. He doesn't say a word, <laughs> and it's just like holy. Fucking shit! This guy is amazing, and it's the same sort of thing, same sort of thing that Cantona had. But Cantona also had the way with words, right? Cantona was also a poet, right? So he he had the presence, but he also was a poet. Whereas Zidane didn't speak, didn't have to speak. Mm. He could just stand there and radiate charm. The same way, by the way, that Jonathan Majors does in uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. If you haven't got seen that, look, it's an it's a it's an okay film. It's good. It's got some good parts, got some bad parts. But Jonathan Majors. Oh my God, 
like again radiating presence in that same sort of way Zidane had that quality and the majors can talk as well majors majors is basically Cantona and Zidane rolled into one person oh wow um, <laughs> but he's but he's <laughs> also funny. Jack he's Jack like Adama Traore so he's Adama Zidane <laughs> and Cantona Marvel did very very well to bet the farm on him to be the carry the next arc but yes Zidane very cool so cool and so elegant and graceful in addition to being big, it was just like so weird to watch and it makes him so hypnotic to watch because you're thinking, oh, he's going to run through this guy now. And he just went, stepped around him. Like like it wasn't even, like he wasn't even there, just like glided around him. And just, you would just take the ball past someone, nutmeg someone, you know, had a knack for scoring goals, big goals as well. Loved the big stage, which is so enigmatic. He was so enigmatic, by the way, that Eden Hazard blew his whole career up trying to be Zidane, <laughs> essentially. Eden Hazard thought he was uh, going to go Real Madrid and it was going to be like when Zidane was at Real Madrid where they did, do, didn't do any training. They rocked up to tra- walked up to the training maybe late, stayed for like an hour, did some ball work, went home, chilled in the sunshine, went to games, and then they won. Or if they didn't win, no one really cared. But Eden Hazard came to a post-Mourinho Real Madrid, a post-Guardiola Real Madrid, where things had changed. <laughs> and even as I was like, oh, what's all this work? I don't want to do this. So uh-huh. he's now just an absolute waste man. When he wow, was <laughs> although hilariously enough, uh, he's won La Liga more times than Cristiano Ronaldo has. So I mean, has he? That's football, he has right? Two? Yes, he, he's what he's, he's Chris- got two. Cristiano only has the one. No, sorry, Damn. He's, two, he's won it as many times. Sorry, he has two. Same oh, as Cristiano. Yeah, Cristiano yeah, yeah, won okay. it in 11, 12, 12, 16, 17. So he has there as many go. as. He has more because they won it last year as well. I think he has more. Let me look it up. Do you have the info? Yeah, he has two. He has as many as, as Ronaldo. So 19, 20, and 20, 20, 21, 22. So he has as many as Cristiano, which is absurd because he's been terrible for Real Madrid. And Cristiano is probably the second best player in Real Madrid history after, after Alfredo de Stefano. So that's very funny. Again, that's what I'm talking about. You know, bringing us back to what we started this conversation with, like that, got that, that amazing Mourinho team. Won that Liga title? Like... That ain't that good. They ran into the buzzsaw that was Pep I mean, It's the greatest team so, of all time. You know, so, so it's it's just it's just bad luck, isn't it? So here we go. Quick fire, Mohammed. Are you yeah. ready? Now these are quick fire and name only. We're not gonna spend five yeah. minutes on each question, but if you need to plant yourself and take some time, we can do that. Um the last good documentary you watched. Frozen Planet 2. What is that about? Is it about Ice Age? No, no, no. It's basically so BBC has these has these things. They have uh, Blue Planet, which was about the ocean. It's a nature documentary. It's narrated by David Attenborough. Uh, so Blue okay, Planet okay. was all about the oceans, all different sea life. So oceans, lakes, rivers, all that sort of thing. What was the one about the entire world? I can't what the hell it's called now. And then Frozen Planet, Planet is about the yeah, that's from Planet Earth. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then uh, I, I watched both of Planet Earth one and Planet Earth two. I forgot the okay. name completely. And then they have. Frozen Planet is about the Arctic and the Antarctic and all the frozen areas and mountains, you know, all these different stuff. So it was mm. uh, that was the last one I watched. Again, it's hard to watch that kind of stuff because kids don't really want to watch it. The uh, kids no, aren't into animals these days. Uh, no, I mean they do, but my daughter likes it, likes it, but my son is just like this is boring. <laughs> <laughs> what's up, what's on YouTube? I'm like, no, damn you, child. Um, yeah, I'd love to watch like the last dance with him and the redeeming documentary with him but the language is just a bit too bit too much for him i think it's still which, he's only which, nine maybe uh, when he gets to be oh, 10 no. or 11 okay right. uh yeah, yeah. Well, when he gets to be about 11 or 12 i'll probably stick on last dance redeem team because those are great fun they're not really documentaries they're more had geographies but they're still great fun the little trader that netflix runs about the redeem team one where kobe talking about how he's gonna beat the shit run through straight through Pagasol's <laughs> chest you're like that was kobe man as an aside my favorite two sports documentaries 
are Kobe doing work by Spike Lee and Zidane, a 21st century portrait. I, now, I don't know if the young one would be interested in following, following Zidane around where he scores and gets red carded. But he, those... He like, you know, he likes that. So I think he might even have watched it too much. He watched like okay. the Pele one, you know, the Pele documentary he did recently. Yep. He watches that kind of thing. He he loves football. He, 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 he can't get enough of it. So I might, I don't know if he's watched that one, but I might stick it on. Right. Hell of a way for Zidane to go out that other way. Headbutt a dude in the chest because he insulted his sister. Oh. <laughs> Chef's um, kiss. No notes. If you could be an animal for one day, which one would you pick? Polar bear. I love polar bears. I love them. Love, uh, since I was a kid, I loved them. They're just giant white things. It's just, it's just, they're really cool, massive bears. And if it's only for a day, I don't have to worry about the fact that global is warming melting. is destroying my habitat, <laughs> leading to my extinction. If, you, if, if, if you're talking weeks, I'm probably going to go with a Bengal tiger. Uh, you know, but if it's that's, only a day, I, I could chill as a polar bear. A Bengal tiger might be more dangerous, bro. I mean, like they're being, they're being. I, are there poachers for polar bears? I kill them poachers, man. I fuck them dudes up. <laughs> they ain't got teeth. Your favorite skill move? Oh my days! I mean, it's got to be the flip flap, hasn't it? Come on, I'm a Ronaldinho guy. It's got to be the flip flap. It's just, it's just, it, it doesn't even make sense. And using it correctly is. It's very hard. Like stepovers, you can just faff around, do stepovers, and no one really cares, right? The, the elastico, you're only going to pull out if you know what you're going to do with it, right? It's beautiful. When you get it right and they just sort of, whoop, they dive for it and they miss it, oh, that's something. Favorite TV show? All right, currently, I have no idea. I don't watch TV, bro. I've got kids. <laughs> <laughs> All time, The Simpsons. It's got to be The Simpsons, isn't the it? Sim- really. Wow. It's got to be The Simpsons. Just for that run, bro, for that run. No, no, it sucks now. But for that run, seasons, season three or four to season 10, I think it is. Oh, my days, bro. But also, shout out Mad Men. Fantastic TV show. The Wire, of course. My God. Mm-hmm. The Sopranos, very good. All that, all that stuff on HBO, man. HBO HBO don't miss. Well, they do miss sometimes. But I never got into very the miss. It could also be an age thing because, frankly, it by could the be. time maybe you came to it, it was already past it. But it could be. Because remember, there's been way, way, there's way, way, way more of The Simpsons that sucks and there is The Simpsons that's good. Mm. And it's a been out since more. what, 90, 89, something 90, like that? 91, so, 90, yeah, 90. something like that. It's been a long yeah. time. And there's there's way more of it that's shit than there is of it that's good. <laughs> but the, but the, the bit of it that's good was so good. And again, relevant to my age, was on TV at the exact moment when I was watching. Mm. It just hit so hard. That that peak era of Simpsons is unrivaled. Seinfeld peak era maybe matched it, but Seinfeld peak era is just three seasons. It's seasons three, four, and five. So it's not quite the same. But Seinfeld Peak Hero was really, really good as well. All right, Muhammad, I'm sorry. Your house is on fire. You don't have to grab children or anything or pets, but you do have okay. to grab three things before the house is consumed or apartment, wherever you are. What are you grabbing? Yeah, yeah. My phone, because that's the way I communicate with the world. Your phone, you said? Yeah, yeah, my phone. Okay, here we go. Purely, mostly for practical reasons, but also because, I mean, once we all calm down, I want to play some games or something, man. And, you know, <laughs> uh, you can't take a PS5. They need a TV as well. We need controllers. It's the whole thing. So just phone. The PS5, I'm looking at it now. And it's big. It's a it's big too, man. It's, it's, and you've got to take the controller. you got and two controllers. You know, you've got to take the TV as well to play. You've got to take the wires. It's a whole mess, bro. It's, yeah, it's grab your big. phone. My wife's jewelry. Um, I love my wife and she will just grab the kids. She she'll grab the kids and go, bro. She's that kind of person. She'll just be like, right, fuck it, kids, let's go. And so then I'll be standing here like, what do I grab? I was like, okay, I'll grab her jewelry so she can keep that. Mm-hmm. And I'll grab my phone. And last of all, I will grab my signed Javi Barcelona shirt. 
did he sign it for you like when you went to a game or no, did you no, buy no, it? No, 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 no. It's it's a, it's a gift from time back. It's not a, it's not personalized. God, I wish it was. Aww. But if it was personalized, bro, that <laughs> was first. Yeah, I say, oh, right, that's still jabby dope jabby. to have no, no, in no, your the, house. It's great. It's great. I mean, I love Jabby. He's my guy. So yeah, that's probably what. That's probably the third thing. This sounds dumb. I'm not really into things. You know what I mean? I mean, I like things. Things are fun because mm-hmm. I'm a dad and I'm an Asian dad. So like getting little gadgets and shit. I love that. <laughs> I love stuff. But like, ultimately, I am fortunate, I guess, to be aware that it is just stuff. What really matters is the connections we make with people, mm. which which does give meaning to the phone. You see, that's part of the reason why the phone was picked, because, OK, laptop, probably more practical, probably more useful. But the phone is a more intimate communication device. And much as I want to also be able to talk to my family, I feel like I talk to my friends who are around the world. Like some of my best friendships are people who who don't live in England, right? And I keep up with them through WhatsApp, you know. And it's mm. funny because obviously you see people decrying social media as a hellscape and this and that. And of course, social media, like anything, has the potential to be dangerous and harmful for people in their 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 growth, their mental health. And it's definitely something we should keep away from children because it stunts their development. But social media is a powerful tool for the the working class, the oppressed, for the solitary, for the lonely. Like the Arab Spring happened because of Twitter. We know about the 2014 invasion of Gaza because of Twitter. That's part of why Elon Musk bought the fucking thing. He wants to kill it because people (laughs) in power don't like that you can organize (laughs) and mobilize on Twitter. That's why he's killing it because he doesn't, it's, it's a tool. It became, obviously it's a corporation, right? Run by a doofus named Jack, but it became a tool for people to organize. And that's why they shut down. That's why they shut down Blackberry Network, bro. After the London riots, they were like, okay, not having that again. These black people, no, 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 we're not doing that. Shut it down. That's where, that's where Blackberry, uh, Blackberry Network went, bro. And and so, you know, anything that's, if anything becomes a tool of the people, they want control over it. They want control of the internet. They want control over every communication method because that way they can control you. That, you know, so phone people that I would never speak to in real life because I'm just not in the same place as them. It broadens your horizons. It broadens your experiences. Your, your, you know, I mean, like I got a job. I got my job because of, because of, of social media, because of people I knew that, that weren't like local to me, weren't like, you know, in my immediate vicinity. You know, you meet people, you have experiences, you connect. I'm on this podcast because of Twitter, because I met you on Twitter, right? I didn't, wow. I never met you before. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just, it's, that's the beauty of life. It's the beauty of social media. It's, mm. it's why I, I will always say, even as much as Elon Musk is a horrible person and Twitter is a hellscape, it's worth it. Where everyone was getting sad over Twitter when it was when it literally was going to die, and everyone's like, "Oh no, these people are getting misty eyed over." It's like, no, but they're not misty eyed over a corporation dying. They're misty eyed over the fact that the connections that they made during that time. The line in Big Trouble in Little China at the end, Kurt Russell goes, "We really shook the pillars of hell of heaven, didn't we, Wang?" That was it. You know, we shook the pillars of heaven. That's what we did on Twitter. Your favorite philosopher that you've studied. Spinoza, Baruch Spinoza, Benedict de Spinoza. I mean, he was Jewish, so then he, but then he changed to be, you know, not Jewish, changed then to Benedict Spinoza. He's just a he's just a phenomenal philosopher. His philosophy of ethics, it was so influenced by Eastern philosophy. You can read it and see it in so many different non-philosophical thought processes. There's so much of it in like, you can, there's like connections, not literal connections, but like you can read similarities between that and Islam, with stuff mm. between that and the force of all things in Star Wars. Like there's elements of Spinoza's ethics in that, you know, where you love the whole, uh, you know, you love, you can love the whole of existence. And that, that, that allows you to, rather than form attachments to each individual person as an impermanent thing in the world, you can love the whole of existence. 
That's it's, interesting. Yeah, it's it's. I love Spinoza. I'm, I'm, I haven't got, I haven't read Spinoza in a long time. Although I will say also, Nietzsche is much much better than Spinoza for quotes. <laughs> Nietzsche doesn't make sense. Nietzsche doesn't have a coherent philosophy. It's mostly just talk shit and <laughs> then talk some more shit. And then when you're done talking some more shit, talk some talk more, more shit. shit. But he's a great shit talker. He's the mm. world's first wrestler. Rest, cut, cut wrestling promos <laughs> for people. Um, but like, just it's just bars for days, man. Nietzsche could have been a battle rapper if he wanted to. But as in terms of coherent philosophy, there's nothing there. So it's weird to call him a coherent philosopher because it's just his philosophy is rebel against the system. Which, and then you're sort of saying, well, then should I rebel against you? Which means I should conform to the system. And it's like, it's not coherent, right? But it's great fun to read because it's very, he's, he's a great writer, right? He's a great writer. He's very, and the translator's, the translator's done a really good job of capturing his humor, mm. you know, and his uh, his banter. And he wasn't a Nazi. They, the Nazis appropriated him because his philosophy, again, that's what I'm saying, it wasn't coherent. So it was therefore easily appropriated by the Nazis into basically some gobbledygook about the Aryan race and it's just like mm. <laughs> it does if, if you read his writings it wouldn't make sense anyway for anyone the Superman is a theoretical concept like it's just a state of mind it's not all right so um the time football's made you most sad we'll go there that's a tough one uh I think 2016 Cop America final when Messi missed the penalty, I was just like, man, they've broken, they've even broken him now. Because in the previous two finals, he was nailed. Even in 2015, when they used him as a decoy, fucking Tata Martino, they used him as a decoy in 2015, he was still great. But 2016, he didn't play well, and then he missed the penalty, and I was like, they've even dragged him down now. The, I just felt so sad for him because he was carrying the entire nation on his shoulders. And then his redemption since then, lost three finals in a row, won three finals in a row. It's a beautiful redemption, you know. So the time footballs made you the most happy then? Is it Messi related still? Nineteen ninety-nine. Nineteen listen, listen, oh, right. Wow. There have been there have been objectively better things that happen in football. There have been maybe in terms of like measuring the scale of happiness, there have been bigger things. Messi winning the World Cup was one, probably the biggest one. Like I was a wreck in that game, bro. I was like my <laughs> my son was watching, I watched it and I was like grabbing like ah! couldn't watch the fans, watch it through my fingers. I ne- I'm never like that when I watch football. I'm very calm when I watch the game. Mm. Um, but I was a mess. So that probably, but then 99 is just unmatched, right? Because I was also, because I was 15. You're 15 years old. You're watching your, your your team play in the Champions League final in what at the time was probably the best stadium in the world, Camp Now. Now it's a bit decrepit, needs need of a rebuild. <laughs> you know, playing Bayern Munich. You don't like Bayern Munich. Two, one nil down. They've not really played well, but they're coming on strong last 20 minutes of the game. They're playing good. Oh, they've left it too late though, haven't they? It's going to be one of those. They're going to miss out on the treble. Oh shit, they've equalized. Oh shit, they've just won. The sheer delirium of that is beyond, it's beyond rational explanation and rational thought. <laughs> like it, it, it really was just something like out of a comic book. It's got to be 99. The messy win in the World Cup is much more satisfying. And maybe when I'm trying to explain it is easier and it's more, more of a, a deep, pure, wholesome thing. Mm. Not tainted by nostalgia, but 99, even if it is, even if at least half of it is nostalgia, bro, it's some potent grade A Colombian nostalgia. It's the, <laughs> the best, the best stuff, the purest stuff. You know, it's that bit in blow when he's like 120, 130. Can I try some of this? And then he just, yeah, that's that bit, right? That's what, mm. that's what 99 was, man. 99 was pure. Just, okay. England win the World Cup or Pakistan qualify for a World Cup? Mm. No, it's got to be England win the World Cup because Pakistan, Ooh. Uh, 
football is not the same there. Football is not the move. Football is big in India, right? It's not really not really a thing in Pakistan comparatively. Pakistan, even if they made it, they wouldn't. It would be full of divisiveness. It wouldn't be fun. They would. They would get absolutely humped. So no, I would say England win the World Cup. But England <laughs> men win the World Cup. All the women actually, because they won the Euros, didn't they? Either one, either way, you know, good bunch of lads. But for God's sake, Gareth, you've got to put Marcus Rashford on the pitch, bro. All right, last question. And this is one I stole from Carl, so you may have heard it before. Um, but it's it's one of my favorite ones to end with. So we're making a music festival. And yeah. I need headline acts for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And yeah. I'll give you the power to raise people from the dead. So dead or alive, your acts for Friday, Saturday, Sunday at okay. Muhammad Fest, if you will. Okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. Now you're talking because when you said raise the dead, I was about to say all my favorite musicians are dead. Then you said you can raise the dead, so that's good. We're going to start on Friday. We're going to keep it. We're going to start nasty and raw. We're going to go with Biggie headlining on Friday. Then on Saturday we go big. We go loud. We get rock. We have rock. We have bat rock bands all up and down the thing, and we headlined by the the god himself, Jimi Hendrix. Okay, back from the dead. Then all on right. Sunday we bring it back to the roots, right? We bring it back to to the church. And to the spirituality of music. So we have the blues, we have the, we have gospel, we have the root of all popular music, basically that exists. And we headline it. And I was gonna say Lead Belly, but then I changed my mind. We're gonna headline it with Aretha Franklin because she because she can bring it home. She can bring it home with you know she can do the blues and then she can bring it home with some gospel. We'll bring it home with her version of Amazing Grace. If you haven't heard her version of Amazing Grace, by the way, if you ever want to hear of hear what someone sounds like literally ascending to heaven while still being fully alive. Aretha Franklin, Amazing Grace. It's a live recording and it's unreal. But is Aretha Franklin really like a festival person? Like, uh, no, I'm I'm not shaming. It's 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 Muhammad yeah, Fest. Yeah, yeah. You, you've explained why. Woodstock, you see, I'm, th- I'm thinking Woodstock, right? So the big, if you ever watch a documentary at Woodstock, one of the big things they all said about by the time Hendrix got on, which is like Monday morning at like 7 a.m., <laughs> you know, everyone was just exhausted and tired you don't mm. want to rock the third day of a festival you want to just not even chill you want the vibes right and that's what i'm saying so you you go nasty on friday you have hip-hop right and you head on it with the goat biggie right then with saturday you want to go big right you want to go loud you want the rock music so then you headline it with Jimi hendrix right and then sunday it's it's come down time man you got to go back to work in the next tomorrow you know you got to you got to keep it chill right so you want to just calm it down and you want to have Music that will move your soul and keep you riveted, but still transcend you, right? So I would say, Aretha, but alternative, slight alternative, Howlin' Wolf. Man had a voice like an atom bomb. Again, it's it'll be more of an intimate vibe on on Sunday, right? The the, the casuals have gone home, right, because they got work the next day. It's only the <laughs> hardcore that are still in. The hardcore they are either on something, or they are just so into music they feel like they're on something. Mm. They want to feel it. They want the vibes, man. They want that. They want the mood and the emotion. And so you bring it home with Aretha or Howlin' Wolf. Basically, either you send them to God or you make them feel like they're about to explode. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. Howlin', like, I know, you know what? Listen, again, Howlin' Wolf, just YouTube him, right? Because most people, my, my cousin, when I first talked about Howlin' Wolf, he was like, this was going to be a metal band. He was like, it's just some black dude sitting in a chair. I was like, yeah, but have you heard his voice? He goes, yeah, fair play. It's it's unreal what that man did with his voice. And again, so you've got to bring it back to the blues and to gospel especially blues on, on Sunday, bring it back to the roots of it all. And so I think a powerful blues musician or a, a gospel musician. So 
Aretha no, or How to Wolf for that. No, no UK acts, interestingly. I mean, look, I like the UK. I think UK's produced some great music. And Rolling Stones are very close to being on there. But ultimately, if you're picking Rolling Stones or Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. if you hadn't let me raise the dead, Rolling Stones would have been on Saturday. It would have been Rolling Stones. <laughs> right? But I'm glad I gave you the power to Hendrix. <laughs> When you can when you can raise Jimi Hendrix, bro, it's Jimi Hendrix. It's, and the, and you know what as well? If you asked every single one of the Rolling Stones, they'd say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Pick, pick Jimmy, pick Jimmy. The they don't have the Beatles were all like, oh, we're the greatest band ever. The Rolling Stones were like, no, 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 no. These black guys, they mm-hmm. got it. We're, we're just copying them. We're, we, we are the, 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 the Rolling Stones is Jagger, right? Yeah, Jagger and Keith Richards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they Charlie they Wolf. they Ronnie generally Wolf. pay homage. They're like, no, no, we listen to Muddy Waters and like all those. They're literally old named school, after like, Muddy Waters songs, so it's right. They, they, they were always, they were all about paying homage, right? Because and again, and again, if you listen to them, it ripped off the blues like massively. But like, unlike Led Zeppelin, who were like, "What? No, we invented all this stuff." Mm. Like, you know, Jimmy Page, what a thief. They actually, they were. <laughs> it was it's it's, it's it's Jagger and the Stones and David Bowie. Those those two, they're always like, no, 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 we're doing black music. It's just, oh yeah, you, yeah. You, I mean, you, Phil, uh, you guys Phil, like us because we're white, is, essentially. Phil Collins is was was actually like because uh, Studio okay. comes out. If you listen, to, if you listen to Studio, it's like this is just a Prince track. This is nineteen ninety nine, but sped up a bit. And he was like, yeah, I know, I've got to Prince all the time. He's great. <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know, vibe off Prince. And it was just very funny because it's like when oh, artists openly admit it, like you see that video of Dave Grohl admitting that he nicked all his shit from the Gap Band. Oh, did he? Yeah. There's literally a video of Dave Grohl going, all the fills on Nevermind are just funk fills from the Gap Band and Tony Thompson. Like, and wow. then you watch him, for, it's Pharrell interviewing your friend, Pharrell's head just explode. He does the mind thing, but you could just see his mind explode. It's like, holy crap, how did I miss that? <laughs> it's great. It's like Dave Grohl, like, yeah, I ripped off. You got, you got to listen to it. It's just, it's ripped. It's all funk fills. I would never put Dave Grohl and like Charlie Wilson in the same context. I but I guess so. Together myself. I would never. <laughs> but like he, he told me, I was like, shit. This has been fun. Yeah. This is just part one. Yeah. We'll, we will we will do it again, I'm sure. I thank you for taking the I'm time, sure, bro. Brother, oh, sure. the last, last question is, do you have anything that's coming out that people should know about? No, not, not, not right now. Okay. No, just follow me on Twitter and we'll keep you posted. Indeed. Mohammed, I really thank you for taking the time, yeah. man. Oh, brother, it's been a pleasure, as always. Thanks. Peace, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.